how much more local, right? And how much more community-based can it get, you know? And so I think that is the strong partnership that we wanted to build. Welcome to Dirt NC, where we talk all about the places and spaces of North Carolina and the people who make them awesome. I'm your host, Jed Byrne. Throughout my career in real estate development, finance, commercial brokerage, engineering, and construction, I have covered just about all facets of the real estate and land use ecosystem. This show is an opportunity to not only share what I've learned with you, but to also introduce you to my friends who are doing truly transformative work and sharing their stories. With each episode of Dirt NC, my goal is simple. I want you to walk away learning something new about land use. I promise to keep it simple and straight to the point. If you ever have any questions for me, feel free to reach out on Twitter at OakCityCRE. Now let's jump in. Today I have the privilege of speaking with Rhett Fussell, who is a strategic activator that is passionate about bringing people together for action and success. Rhett has worked as a transportation engineer for over 20 years on transit projects across the country. His experience working with cities has developed his understanding of how people and places lead to successful communities. Rhett also runs a local nonprofit called the Raleigh Area Land Trust, or RALT for short, focused on developing attainable housing. The goal is to provide families with the opportunity to begin generational wealth creation through home ownership. Rhett aspires to be a retired sports junkie, but in the meantime, he plays volleyball, dodgeball, and can often be found in the gym. He graduated from NC State University with a master's in civil engineering and was a founding member of the Student Wolfpack Club. Rhett is married to his wonderful husband of 14 years, Joe, and they have a spoiled chocolate lab, Tucker. Today, we talked about all sorts of fantastic things. Uh, we talked specifically about Ralt and his uh, activities and engagement there. He's also involved in trailblaze development, which we talked a little bit about. We talked about what is a land trust, what their vision of success is, who they're trying to serve. We talked about this wonderful concept of engaging and building community both through the development process, but also in the outcomes. So they're trying to support people uh, as a stepping stone into home ownership. And he brought up this fantastic concept of, of engaging with underestimated parts of the community. Um, I think this conversation really is a challenge to, for all of us, myself included, to figure out how we can better engage in community and how we can show up for all of the people around us. Um, so with that, we'll get started with Rhett's Two Truths and a Lie. I was born in Wilmington, North Carolina. I'm a diehard Wolfpack fan. And I have survived a stroke in the past 18 months. Okay. The stroke is very specific and very extreme. I kind of feel like that has to be true because most people would not say that um, in the past 18 months. Uh, so I, I was, if, if true, I want to hear more about that. Wolfpack fan, did you go to NC State? I did. You did go to NC State. Okay. So that's plausible. And born in Wilmington. Also, given that we're in Raleigh, very plausible. When did you leave Wilmington? I left Wilmington in 1990. How old were you? Uh, or in I school? was about 18 when okay. I left to come okay. to NC State. Okay, so that tracks. When and what did you study at NC State? Civil engineering. Okay. Ooh, <laughs> this is hard. Okay, so I, I can't imagine that you would fabricate a stroke but maybe it wasn't 18 months maybe it was when you were a kid uh i'm gonna go wilmington you're not originally from wilmington dude that's awesome you you got the right one okay so, so where are you from uh, originally i was born in germany okay so my dad was in the air force very far from Wilmington. Uh, so i i i was born there didn't stay there very long so you know i was 
less than six months old when my mom brought me back home. But, you know, I like to say it's a fun fact. Um, but we lived in Wilmington our whole lives. My mom and dad both grew up there. Uh, so I grew up in Wilmington um, and then moved to Raleigh, obviously, for school. Uh, so that part's true. At NC State, studying so civil engineering. Studied civil engineering. Uh, got my bachelor's and my master's at NC State in, in transportation, essentially civil engineering. And then you know, left and worked for the state of North Carolina and uh, doing sort of like long range planning okay. for about 10 years. Uh, and then I moved out West okay. uh, for a couple of years and now you're back. Ended up back here. Now you're back. <laughs> was that the plan? Did you want to come back? Yeah. North so Carolina? The, the goal was, Hey, let's do something different. I went to work for a private engineering firm and um, they wanted me to go somewhere that they had a concentration of the specialty that I'm a part of, mm-hmm. um, which is really specialized. And so um, I chose Portland, Oregon. Uh, so I lived there for about four years um, longer than the original intent was to stay, but it was because I was, enjoying it. Yep. Uh, and they were like, you can leave whenever you want. I mean, that's up to you. But the intent was yes, to bring me back here and, you know, sort of lead a Southeast node for, for the company. Very cool. Well, glad to have you back. Uh, with that, would love to hear kind of these days. Um, well, no, I can't leave the stroke. I forgot. So <laughs> you had a stroke. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, completely healthy individual and, uh, right. Probably a month before the pandemic. Um, I was at work and had a stroke and craziest, scariest thing you'll ever be a part of. Uh, you can't really describe it, but luckily, you know, the, the people that I work with got me in an ambulance fast. Um, and within less than an hour they had, there's a miracle drug called TPA that they give people basically makes you free bleed. Um, so it doesn't sound good. No, it's very dangerous. Um, so they basically strap you down so you can't fall, move, you know, whatever. Because if you, if you cut yourself or bruise or fall, you know, you're catastrophic. Yeah. So I, um, so it saved me. I mean, like literally, you know, allowed the blood clot to clear. Um, and you know, I had effects for probably the first three months. Wow. Um, but I'm literally back full strength, you know, everything. Um, they've solved the issue that caused it and all that. So yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's one of those life-changing things, which is sort of will contribute to this conversation. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. That's amazing, right? So, Crazy. so had you not did did you did you notice? Like, like could you tell, or did somebody else tell no, I, you? No, I definitely noticed. So, um, I started feeling weird, but I just thought I was lightheaded. I was actually doing some work on a machine, and um, I just started feeling lightheaded. And I thought that's weird because um, I just got back from lunch. Right. Um, so I went to sit down at my desk. Uh, and I, it just didn't get better. Like after a minute or two, I was like, this is weird. So I got up to go to my office, you know, walk outside the office and ask my coworker and I, everything went numb, completely numb on the right side of my body. I couldn't Holy stand cow. up, you know, nothing. I couldn't talk at that point. You knew. Yeah. And I was like, uh, something was like, this is, this is an issue. And I didn't know what it was. I mean, I had no idea. Now I obviously, you know, can recognize the signs, but yeah, crazy. So that's one. Yeah. Amazing. Glad you're okay. Glad you were in a place that yeah, somebody thanks. could help. Glad, you know, we're in the triangle where we have direct access to several hospital systems. Fantastic. And, um, right. Cause I, I guess time is of the essence and it is it wow. definitely, you know, that first hour or two is, is super critical. And, you know, of course they got me in time to make it, make it happen. So yeah, wow. I'm thankful for coworkers and, you know, the people at wake med, I'll give a shout out for sure. Yeah. Cause they, they were fantastic, you know. That's amazing. No, that's um, right. I, I never would have guessed 
Um, again, had it not been yeah. for this scenario where I feel like, again, that's not something you would just make up. Yeah. Um, never would have guessed. Glad that you're, glad that you're back to uh, Prime. And yeah, I think that does transition. So if, if that plays part in the story of what you're doing now, would love to just hear how you introduce yourself these days, what you're working on, and kind of where you find yourself today. Yeah, so uh, I guess it depends on who I'm actually talking to. So um, and and the role that I'm trying to fill, because um, I basically have what I'd call three jobs. Um, I'm a the stroke trans- didn't slow you down. Yeah, <laughs> the stroke didn't slow me down, and in fact, it probably made it worse because I'm like, you never know. Yeah, when you don't have the next day, and the so day, yeah. if you're gonna seize and take advantage you better do it while you can um so i'm a transportation engineer by trade um i work for a private engineering company and i focus mostly on um it's like computer simulation it's like building SimCity, mm-hmm. where we try to figure out where people live and work and how they want to get to those places you know by transit or uh, by auto or bike or whatever um and sort of try to plan the improvements. Mm-hmm. So that's generally what I do. Most of my work is on transit projects across the country. Mm-hmm. So that's one avenue of life. Um, but that work is a long-term work product. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically the work that I do, I don't see anything for 15, 20 years at least wow. because you know it's so far in the horizon by the yeah. time you get through all the processes and all that. So I'm really early. So I never get to see the satisfaction of the labors, right? Okay, yep. Uh, which is not a bad thing. I'm, I'm contributing, but I wanted something more immediate, okay. right? Like, especially given this issue, the stroke issue, right? So I'm like, I, I need to see impact and I need to feel like I'm doing something in particular for the city that I live in, mm-hmm. city and work and live in. So um, I took on this Raleigh Area Land Trust, and we could talk more about how that came about, but, you know, t- to to try to focus on affordable housing in the city that I live in, you know, housing is a part of what I do on the transportation side and housing is informed by transportation decisions and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was a natural sort of mesh into the, to the land of affordable housing. And then in addition to that, uh, me and, um, two other guys started trailblaze development, which you heard from Nick Neptune a mm-hmm. few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's me and Nick and Clark mm-hmm. uh, Reinhardt. And, uh, so we started that to sort of maybe change the way development is typically done. And at least in the equi- equitable range. So that's kind of how I introduce myself now. And so you are, you are partner with trailblaze and interim executive director, interim director overall. Interim, yep. That's right. Okay. And so, so we definitely want to, I think, next talk about how the land trust got started. And yes, I, I know Nick. Uh, <laughs> I've known Nick for years, and Clark and Clark. I get to see at swim practice now more regularly, which nice. is nice um, for the kids. Yeah. If anybody's <laughs> making connecting the dots there, uh, I don't swim. But on on that, I think it is. It's interesting that you you went from this kind of long range professional time frame. To, to something that is immediate, but also still has a very long range impact, right? So the results I would guess can be seen more quickly, right. but this is still something that will have long-term impact, but it just, it happens sooner and then carries on, which is, which is, I think needed and very cool. So, so tell me if you can a little bit about how uh, the land trust came together. And then if you could explain kind of what is a land trust. Sure. Um, so maybe I'll start with 
how it came about first and then get into the details of what the land trust is. So um, I guess this was probably three or four years ago. Uh, me and a close friend of mine were having lunch mm -hmm. one day um, and we were just talking about Raleigh and, um, and what I wanted to do in life. Um, and I said, I need something more than transportation. I need something that will fulfill this short term um, sort of impact. And her family was, uh, is a philanthropic family in the community. Um, and, and she said, well, we want to be involved in housing, but we want it to be different. We, okay. we, we feel like there's a different way to invest in our community that provides a longer impact than sort of this short one time, you know, let's buy a house and give it to somebody kind of, kind of model. So there, I would guess there, there's that model, but then there's also like the subsidized, you know, longer right. term, hey, you, you, these are uh, restricted units or houses that, that here's the need and it goes for 10, 15 years. There's That's a time right. frame. And then there's the market rate side, which is kind of all, you know, all that's, sorts of different that's options. That's right. Okay. And, and, and one of the thoughts was we want it to be where people are part of a community, whether they make a hundred thousand, whether they make 60,000, whether they make 200,000. I, I think it's pretty evident across the country that when you have a mixed income community, mm -hmm. you get the biggest gains, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, socially everyone benefits from it. You learn from others, um, on both ends of the spectrum. And that's kind of what, what their goal and my goal was. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, let's, let's figure out what that looks like and what's not being done here now. Like, you know, there's a lot of things being done in the affordable housing arena, which are fantastic, yep. but like what's not here and how can we fill that void and still provide something longer term than, than, than what's here. Is it, is it safe to say, if you look at the data that the, um, I don't know if it's the mix is decreasing or the, or the homogeneity, if that's a word, is right. increasing. But my sense of things is, right, the people that live in my neighborhood are similar to me or similar socio. You know, I live in a townhouse, right? So all of our houses are the same. Right. So socioeconomically, I mean, at least from a, the value of the homes, they're all almost identical. Um, but to your point, having a community and having folks of all different varieties living together near each other uh, in community is a, is a value proposition. So how yeah. do you... How do you get to that? Yeah. So we started having conversations. So we put together um, essentially like a steering committee of uh, local sort of leaders okay. uh, in the community um, that sort of knew the lay of the land and housing that had some understanding of financial things um, and were also individuals that wanted to sort of step outside and do something different. So we had a steering committee for probably about nine months mm -hmm. um, of individuals and we landed on the land trust model because it, you know, it allowed us to do that long-term affordability. That's really what it came down to. So what is the land trust model? So community land trust um, has been around for a long, long time, um, at least 50 or more years. Mm -hmm. And essentially it's a, a way to provide long-term affordability through primarily home ownership. Uh, rentals are also there, but primarily through home ownership, especially in areas where the real estate market is further doing that divide mm -hmm. of uh, affordability, people that cannot get into the market because the costs are just rising. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so that's one thing. It, it also ensures that people that are low to moderate income can live in the communities that they want to be a part of or that they even grew up in, right? Mm -hmm. As things like gentrification occur and people get moved out because they get priced out. It, it allows us to um, hopefully, you know, leave those folks where they are or where they want to be um, through some sort of shared equity. And we can talk about that. Um, and then I think the bigger picture is it's about promoting community. Mm -hmm. There's a word community land trust for a reason. The community basically owns the land trust and they guide it where it wants to go. Um, and so it, I think it helps to, to redo sort of an equitable, equitable development kind of yeah. project. And so, so I, I, you brought up something interesting that I hadn't thought of before, but it, is it fair to say that by design, the land trust is more of a dispersed model where you're not saying, okay, we're going to build 300 homes in one block or one neighborhood. It's, it's everywhere and everywhere everywhere and anywhere so that again yep. you have that um overlapping community aspect that i think is critical. correct yeah. and that is that's how a lot of land trusts operate is they it is dispersed throughout the community mm -hmm. so again it gets back to this someone making five hundred thousand a year is living next to someone that makes you know sixty thousand a year right. but you get that mix of income that community building that sort of place gathering that can occur right you know if they're it won't, it's not to say that we won't do concentrated developments, you know, like the project in Idlewild. Uh, but the intent is, yeah, to sort of spread it out and, and build things throughout the whole county, really. Interesting. Okay, so this is not Raleigh-specific. That's where, I guess, the Raleigh area. Okay, Correct. so is the focus on Wake County-specific? Yes. So the, the our goal is to serve all of Wake County. Um and uh, obviously it'll be based on the opportunities that are provided to mm -hmm. us, right? Um, obviously one of the greater needs is right here in Raleigh, mm -hmm. um, especially in Southeast Raleigh. So that's our sort of initial focus um, and where we'd like to concentrate, but given opportunities elsewhere, you know, we'll take advantage of those as well. And and the, the need, is it fair to say, is greatest in Raleigh because this is where the acceleration of prices is being felt the most. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the case for sure. And I think that's where you also see the highest level of gentrification, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's really uh, sort of the bigger issue is people not being a part of the community that they live and grow up in um, being sort of forced out. Right. So what is this? You mentioned that, right, this is not an original idea, but are, are there other communities? So I think my hope in, in having this conversation is that there's a lot of people in Raleigh that are now exposed to this that maybe didn't know about it before. But I think one of the cool things about not being the first is that my guess is there are other communities that we can look to or, and you can say, hey, they're doing this in this community and here, are, here have been the results. So what are some of those communities that you look to or do you think others might? Yeah. So I think that's a great point. Um, you know, even right here in our own backyard, both uh, Durham and Orange County have land trust. So you don't have to go far. Uh, in fact, uh, Durham is, is, has been around for quite some time. Um, Durham mostly focuses on rentals um, for the land trust to keep affordable rentals, which is fine. There's options to do that. Um, and Chapel Hill or Orange County is a little bit different mechanism as well. So that's two local ones that are right here. So mm -hmm. it's kind of was surprising to us that Raleigh didn't have something. Interesting. Right? But, you know, some of the bigger sort of successes are 
in Burlington, Vermont. That's the biggest one. Okay. Uh, it's like 2,800 units, I wow. think, are in the land trust. Um, you know, obviously this is a Bernie issue, right? Uh, where the, you know, he was sort of there to help get this thing started. That. Um, so, but then, you know, there's a lot of West Coast cities because of the sheer, you know, magnitude of the housing market yeah. there, Atlanta, you know, things like that. Okay. So, so then what, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit later about the, the, the financial piece, but you know, again, if, if the focus is on homes for purchase, right? So you want ownership, not rental. What are, you know, who, who is, who is kind of the, the, the group of, um, Raleigh's that, that you're focusing on this, there's, you know, again, we talked a little bit before we started recording, but you know, this is affordability, housing, attainability, equity, both in the, you know, wealth generation potential of home ownership, as well as social equity piece yep. is a very, very broad topic. And so who, who are the folks that this is, I mean, who, who are the folks that you're looking at where this you think will have the greatest impact? Yeah. So that's a great question. So our ideal is to serve people that make 50 to 80% of the area median income. Okay. So that's, it's missing middle, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sort of that missing middle where they can't afford a market rate home because of the, you know, prices. Uh, they're not eligible for what we'd call the lower income side of things with additional subsidies, uh, rent Which is subsidies. 50 and below. Okay. Typically 50 and even actually mostly around 30. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're sort of in this middle where they're working, uh, they can afford a home, but just not one that's $300,000. Mm -hmm. And especially in this market where you're you know, getting 50,000 over asking and stuff like that. They don't have a down payment. Like these, you know, these are individuals that aren't going to come in with a huge down payment. Right. And they're probably mostly have been renters. Right. Right. Because, um, that's just where, what they could get into. So the ideal person, this is for someone that wants to get into the home ownership arena, mm -hmm. but needs a stepping stone. So I kind of look at it as a stepping stone into a market rate house. And for, for context, you know, I think a lot of folks, you know, I'm glad you didn't say AMI because then we have to explain area median income, but there, there's a number, is this county based? Yeah. So what is that number roughly for Wake County? Do you know? Um, I, it, it, you know, it's changed so much over the last few years, but I think, um, for 80%, it's somewhere around 75,000. Okay. So that's, that's the total for, household, total income. household income. And so these are folks that if you're 50, if 80, do some quick math, but you're thinking that 40 to, you said 50 to 80%. So 40 to 75, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Somewhere household in income. that general range. And, and, you know, and it'll be in, it'll be specific to the site obviously as right. well, but yeah. And, and, but that, I mean, again, that this is to your point. This is teachers and firefighters and, and, you know, 100%. right. Government employees and in Raleigh, right. So we have a large government presence. So if, if you're working in downtown, but can't live anywhere close to downtown as a whole host of issues. Um, That's right. And actually, you know, it's a good point that you bring that up. That, that is exactly the market because a part of this conversation for me, you know, three years ago after talking at lunch, I then had a follow-up conversation randomly couple weeks later with friends of mine, mm -hmm. you know, two of them were teachers. 
One of them was uh, assistant manager in a retail um, establishment. And they were like, we'll never be able to afford a home. Right. We'll never be able to live in Raleigh because blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute. Like that doesn't seem right. fair, right? It doesn't seem like we're not doing our part to make everyone feel a part of our community. And yeah. so that was contributing to exactly what well, you and, said. And one of the things that I think is interesting about this conversation of affordability and attainability is that th- this is not a, a Raleigh problem or even a unique problem. This is a problem that the communities across the country are facing. And so it's it's exciting. And one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is that there are potential solutions and there's no silver bullet. Like there's no, here's what we need to do to, to fix the problem. I, I think um, one of the quotes that I heard a couple uh, months ago that sticks with me though, is that there's a difference between a problem to be solved and attention to be managed. And so in our you know, economic system, maybe there's always going to be an affordability um, problem or challenge. There's a tension there, right? So, so maybe you can't just eradicate the problem, but there's a tension. But there are, are plenty of groups and plenty of very smart people who are dealing with similar problems all over the place. So how can we take these ideas, right, from, from the Northeast or the West Coast or wherever and say, okay, well, how does that apply to the, to the challenges we're facing in Raleigh? Use the knowledge. You know, Don't reinvent the wheel, but just say this is something that we can do. We can try. Let's get started. Let's create a yep. stepping stone. Let's see the results. If it works, let's dive further in. If it doesn't, let's tweak. And, you know, again, it, to me, it's, it's always fascinating that this is not, uh, unfortunately, really a, a unique problem that there are people dealing with this and, and working on this across right. the country. So, so let's bring in the best and the brightest and smartest and, and see what we can do. So, yeah, I kind of think of it in transportation terms cause I'm a transportation dork. Right. So it's like, people have choices on how they're going to go from point A to point B mm-hmm. in the transportation world. They're going to take a bike. They're going to walk. They're going to you know, use transit. This is yet another choice, mm-hmm. another option for people to utilize and leverage in a way that they typically wouldn't have been able to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is the thing. We're not there to compete mm-hmm. against other existing housing providers. That's not the goal. There are so many different options that can provide some you know, piece of the puzzle right. for affordable housing. And that's kind of the way we look at it. But to your point about the stepping stone, if, if your two options are rent or save up $40,000 for a down payment, you know, you might never get there. Exactly. Right. So your options are, while there are options, it's a limited scope. Right. So, so let's talk. Um, I think in, in terms of, of, Raleigh Air Land Trust, you, you have, I mean, tell me a little bit about, you, you've got two, I think, properties already in the trust, and then there was some big news recently, we're in July of 2021, but some big news recently about Lane Idlewild. Uh, tell me a little bit about how your yeah. your, pre, your existing projects came about, and this new project, and just kind of give folks a sense of, of how this plays out in real life. Yeah, so we on purpose have sort of been hiding in the background, right? I think I, you know, have explained that to a lot of people where what we wanted to do was make sure we understood what we wanted Mm -hmm. and what our goals were. Um, and to build relationships first, because without relationships, it's really hard to start a ground up nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we did that for a while and we recently, as you mentioned, got our first two properties in our portfolio. And I'll say portfolio because 
they eventually will not be ours, right? We'll sell them to homeowners. But right now we have two properties that we're going to do some uh, fixing up mm -hmm. and then we're going to put them on the market probably sometime in um, October um, of this year. So yeah, it was a huge deal for us to get these first two properties because once you have them, there's something physical, there's something tangible, right? For all the stuff you've been working for the past right. three years, right? So pretty emotional for me when I signed that contract That's awesome. yeah. that day, um, you know, so that happened, uh, the last week of June. Okay. And so then two weeks, well, I guess it was about two weeks later, maybe a little less than that. Uh, we found out that we won the lane Idlewild project. So um, you've been busy. And so it was just a crazy couple of weeks. Yeah. All right. When we found out, and it's a game changer for us. It's like, you know, like I said, we've been sort of hiding in the background. All of a sudden it's like, okay, well, here's our coming out party. You know, yeah. um, we're doing this and everyone knows about us. You can't really hide it anymore. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I think that's been great to say we're finally here. You know, it's like um, the song, uh, Hey Ma, Look, I Made It. You know, it's like, you know, if I could sing that song over the radio, I would. But that's kind of the feeling that it that it is um, for us over the past, you know, now three, three weeks. Got it. That's awesome. So, so what would like to hear more about the, the development approach for Lane Idlewild? Cause that's ground up, but what, what percent of, and when you say salt, you're going to sell these homes that, that is true. But I think one of the interesting things about the uh, land trust model is, is my sense is it just grows over time, right? You, you are always going to have the land in the trust, right? That's right. So, so every, every opportunity, every piece of growth just, just makes the trust bigger and bigger and bigger. But so do, do you get a sense of maybe it's either Raleigh area land trust or a typical land trust, you know, how much of the homes are, are ground up new construction versus kind of rehab or acquisitions? Yeah. I think most of them are acquisition mm -hmm. slash rehab. Mm -hmm. Um, there are obviously, um, you know, ground up construction, like even, um, places like Habitat have been merging with, um, land trust yeah. to create a better sustainability for, yeah. for both entities. But I think most of them are, are sort of rehab, um, because they're mostly, you know, neighborhood individuals that start the land trust. Mm -hmm. They understand what it is and they're like, all right, we want to protect my community. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think most of them are just default that way. Yeah. And I would guess too, from a, from a cost and development perspective that in these markets that where this is a popular concept, you're by definition in an area where cost of construction is expensive, costs are growing, there is yep. inflation. And so, right. The, it makes a lot of sense. So, so then that makes Lane Idlewild really unique on top of the fact that this was part of a very unique, um, land transaction yeah. experience. So, so talk to me about that. I mean, this, this, I think has been in the works for a while. Right. So, so tell me about the, the $1 sale and how you guys got here uh, and then what the path forward looks like. Yeah. So this, uh, this has definitely been a, a crazy experience. Um, not just, you know, winning, but the whole process for yeah. me. So I came in obviously from a transportation side, knowing nothing about housing developments, mm -hmm. right? Knowing nothing about affordable housing, having no relationships in the housing arena. So, you know, we were starting from scratch. Mm -hmm. So we 
uh, had been, you know, we sort of knew that this was going to happen at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. And so probably about three years ago, I started working on it. I mean, I I sort of started building relationships and trying to understand what the problem was and like, you know, who, who best to serve and, you know, what the city was or wasn't doing. Um, you know, I looked through the long range city plan, the county plan, and ironically, both of those had land trust in there as we want to start a land trust. We want to have something that can protect the affordability of the land that the counties and cities own. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I knew was that cottage court concept was something relatively new to Raleigh. I mean, um, some people have heard about it, seen it, um, mm-hmm. but there aren't any affordable cottage courts in Raleigh. So we thought, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to employ the land trust model and a cottage court at the same time. So we spent time doing that, went through the bid process. So originally, you know, it was 35 teams that bid on the dollar land uh, last year. Uh, we were one of the top four. We then went into the second round of the proposals um, and put together a proposal that obviously made an impact. Mm-hmm. And so for our site, we're going to do 17 units total Mm -hmm. and so essentially it's a cottage court where we'll have two sort of courts so the duplex homes will be sort of in the shape of a a u and they share the common space in the middle to build that sense of community you can sit out on your porch and see the Mm -hmm. other individuals and talk to them and you know that kind of thing 13 of those units will be for sale using our typical for sale model uh, and then four of those units will be rentals, affordable rentals. Uh, so all of our units will be 80% and below um, okay. for the, the whole entire project. Uh, most of them, all the for sale units will be 50 and 60% AMI. Okay. Um, so again, serving that missing middle right. to sort of, you know, get into that market as a stepping stone and hopefully they become market rate homeowners, uh, at, you know, 10, 15 years, whatever, as, as they can build equity and, That's and generate some that, wealth. That yeah. is essentially the model is to get in, to allow you to save on rent. Most of the time they're going to save on what they're currently paying, right? right? It's going to be a cheaper option. They're going to now own the home. They can build, you know, equity, stabilize themselves as homeowners um, and then move on to something uh, market rate uh, as their family grows, as their lifestyle changes, you know, whatever that is. So that's kind of what our intent for the project is. And, you know, I'll say that it was a big effort thinking through what that would look like. I mean, we even went so far as we've redesigned the transit stop, you know, we've implemented how we're going to put bikes on our property uh, we've partnered with individuals, uh, other nonprofits to say, okay, you help us design bike racks that are meaningful for this historical mm-hmm. sort of property. So it's, you know, we, we sort of went through this thought process. So that's, that's kind of the project. But I think the bigger thing is about the people we put together for the development project. So tell me about that. Tell me again, community, I'm, I'm sensing there's a thread of community, right? So it's not just what you're trying to do, but how you're trying to do it. So talk to me about your, the community that you built for yourself here. That, that is indeed the case. So again, community, as you said, that, that's the key. It's not just us. It takes everyone. And one of the things that we want to focus on is what I'd say the, underestimated communities 
in our um, in our city. And I, I steal that from Arlen Hamilton. So I don't know if you know who that is, but she's fantastic. And you can look her up on Twitter. But she she uses the term underestimated uh, instead of um, you know minority and things like that because they're just not given credit. People aren't given the credit or aren't offered the opportunity. So for us, we wanted to focus on you know minority involvement in a project in a development project in our own city because Mm -hmm. they're often under overlooked um so we partnered with um raleigh Rays development so that that is a new entity for uh, for three guys that you know grew up in southeast raleigh that's lavelle lavelle moton you know ncc uh central's coach coach Um, yeah he's awesome um, uh, Terrell Midget and CJ Mann. So those three guys have started their own um, sort of development company to change the way the game is performed in Raleigh. Awesome. So they're part of our team. Ralt will be the lead developer. They'll be um, in you know, sort of the co-lead spot. And then we also teamed with Haven uh, Ventures out mm-hmm. of Durham. Mm-hmm. Um, they specialize in affordable housing, have been doing it for a long time. Uh, they're a B Corp, so they're you know socially... Uh, involved they get it they achieve the mission that we Mm -hmm. want to achieve Um, and so that team is is really strong and I think that's one of the things that the city liked is it it was a diversity you know not just on the model itself Mm -hmm. but in the aspect of who's involved and who is from that community I mean Lavelle grew up on this physical site he literally grew up on the site so it's like how how, how can, much more local can you get? How than much that? more local, right? <laughs> and how much more community based right. can it get? You know, and so I think that is the strong partnership that we wanted to build. That's awesome. Yeah, and I mean, I think the thing that you brought up too, and and I I love that idea of underestimated as opposed to maybe you know you hear underserved or you know it's it's right it's under resourced it's underestimated it's 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 kind of this latent potential that doesn't have an opportunity and, and, um, given a chance, giving a stepping stone, giving a community to come together and act. Uh, I'm, I'm personally very yeah. excited uh, to see, to see how this progresses. Uh, and again, it was why I was so excited to talk to you. And, and you also bring up, you know, the cottage court, which I think is, as again, this is something that you see in plenty of other markets. Yeah. And now you'll, you'll be able to, to, to build this project using that as a template and I think not only will it have an impact for you and your homeowners and your partners and, and your community, but the, as a whole, I mean, even outside of the attainable or affordable housing mm-hmm. arena to say, like, look, this is a way to more effectively and efficiently use land to reduce the resources needed. So even if you're talking in some other community, you can say, hey, look, this works because, again, this is not a, a I mean, we don't need to recreate the wheel every single time we, nope. we can use these examples. I mean, I have a book on cottage courts on my bookshelf, (laughs) you know, this is something that exists. And I think for us, once we start to see, you know, the boots on the ground examples, and, and again, I'm encouraged by this idea of underestimated people where you say like, listen, as we bring people to the table, as we pull up some more chairs and have these conversations and then do the thing, holy cow, it works. Right. Let's do it again and grow and grow and grow as a community. And again, so anyway, I'm, I'm blabbering, but this is extremely encouraging. I would like to, on, on a kind of a basic level, yeah. you know, again, as the land trust, from my understanding, will own the land, but you're talking about selling homes to people. So what what does that 
transaction look like? So you, you've got the home, it's built. We know who the buyer right. you know, group is going to be. So they come to you and say, okay, we would like to buy these homes. What, what do they contribute? What are they receiving? How, what, what does that transaction look like on the buy side originally? Yep. And then kind of walk me through you know, years down the line. Because you know, again, you mentioned that the idea isn't that the folks are going to live here for the next 70 years. This is a stepping stone. And they can, I believe. Yes. But this is a stepping stone to get into this market. So, so talk to me a little bit more about that transaction. Yeah. So I think you've broken it down into the, what's the beginning and what's the end. So yeah, you're right. Uh, we'll have people apply for the homes, mm -hmm. um, again, fitting the categories of 50 to 80% of the area median income. There's some additional screening criteria, right? So that we make sure we're getting the right people in the homes. Will, will you operate that? We will do onboarding. That. Mm -hmm. okay. We, we do, we will do all that. The, we're actually doing uh, what we'll call homeowner training. Everyone homeowner training will have to go through that before they're even allowed to purchase a home mm -hmm. from us. Which and makes that's sense if this is the first the time. Right? Yeah, most of them are first time home buyers. And so that will be done through DHIC. So we have a partnership cool. with them. You know, the homeowner, they have yeah. a homeownership um, sort of training facility. Yeah, center, here, yeah. It's awesome. Um, and so we've partnered with them again partnerships are the key it's community right so build off of what's already being done we don't need to create the recreate it as you said so let's let those people do what those people do right they're smart they know how to do it uh, so let's say that that's all done so we will then find a homeowner out of our queue of people that have applied and we could talk more about that later they will purchase the home from us but essentially how it works is we own the land forever they purchase the structure mm -hmm. or the home itself and they own it just like any other you know, family across the country. Mm -hmm. The difference being they lease the land from us for a minimal charge per month, mm -hmm. um, which is about $35. And so, um, that lease allows them, you know, the rights to use the land. They can make improvements to it. You mm -hmm. know, they, the bushes, whatever they maintain it. Um, they're just leasing it from us. So they own the home. They have a mortgage uh, just through a, a, a lender, a typical lender. But the difference is they're probably getting into a home for about 50% less than it normally would cost. Between because they're not buying the land. Because we essentially are trying to take the land cost out of it. Right. It won't happen in every situation. But, you know. Greatly reduces. Greatly reduces the impact. Um, and so that's one thing. The other thing that it does is we own the land, so we don't get taxed because we're a nonprofit. Okay. The homeowner is therefore benefiting from that because they're not paying for land tax, mm -hmm. which is, you know, a huge thing in mm -hmm. Wake County and Raleigh. And so they're just paying the structure tax essentially. So they get in the home, they own it. And let's say 10 years later, they decide they're ready to sell for various reasons mm -hmm. that reverts back to the land trust to do the transaction. So they come to us, we find another homeowner mm -hmm. that fits those income qualifications and we sort of do that transaction. So on the back end, what happens is they get equity based on what they paid for the home. Okay. All right. So let's say they, paid 150,000 for this home and they've been making their mortgage payments. So on the back end, 
any bit of principal that they've paid down, Mm -hmm. they obviously get back, right? Um, Just like any other homeowner would do. On the equity side, what happens is they get a price, uh, a a portion of the equity that gets built over those Mm -hmm. 10 years. And so currently we've set that at a 1.5% per year based on the purchase price that they paid for the home. Got it. So let's say 10 years and they paid 150,000. So at the end of that 10 years, they essentially have 15%, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so they'll get 22,000 and some change, right? Of just equity from the growth of equity in the house. In in addition to they've been making 10 years of payments on their traditional, you know, 30 year mortgage or 20 year mortgage. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, let's say on the back end after that 10 years, they're probably getting somewhere in the range of fifty to sixty thousand dollars on mm-hmm. that back end, right? So that then allows them to leverage themselves, like they bet on themselves, right? right? So they leverage themselves to go out and buy a market rate home, which they now can compete in mm-hmm. the open market. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's kind of the transaction and how it would happen. And then we obviously then sell the home again to another qualified buyer. Mm-hmm but it's at a much reduced rate because the equity has stayed in the home, right? Where the, the land trust isn't like profiting from it. Oh, that's right. right? So yeah. the, the equity that, you know, let's say it started at 150 and now the house is valued at 250. Well, the next homeowner isn't paying 250. They're paying a much reduced rate, a much reduced rate. So it's really, they're only really paying the 150 plus whatever that equity return was on the back end. So now this house is going to sell the next time for 170 or 175, right? So the way we've sort of calculated it, and again, this is based on others. They've done it, like you said, across the country. Average homeowner is seven to eight years, right? Before they go onto a market Mm -hmm. rate house. We can sell that home over a 30 year period, three or four times and never get back to the original value of that home. Right. That's so crazy. let's say it was originally 300,000. Right? right. I mean, imagine being able to say 30 years from 30 now. years from yeah. now, we're going to have 300,000 our home. I mean, look at the prices in Raleigh in the last five years. Right? right. I mean, no one would ever say that. I think, I think, I mean, again, given my, <laughs> our, our town home has gone up 40% maybe yeah. in five years at least, right. which is crazy. Yeah. So that, I mean, and so that's the thing. Are, are we limiting equity? No, we're sharing it. Right. Yeah. We're sharing it because, there's a cost between affordability and generational wealth building. Right? right. And so you have to sort of figure out that balance of who gets what. And so we feel like it's a sharing and it's basically paying it forward for multiple right. people instead of just one individual. That's I think the difference there. And again, it goes back to that community aspect. It's, it's sharing the 100%. financial equity amongst, you know, and, and social equity and, and keeping a balance and again, allowing multiple families to have a stepping stone into then, you know, the market rate economy where they wouldn't otherwise. That, that's right. And so that's, that's, it's uh, a great point is people always say, but you're limiting their equity. And my response is I'm not limiting their equity. The market is limiting their right. equity because right now Can't those homeowners have no participation. So they're getting nothing. They're literally getting nothing mm-hmm. out of the market mm-hmm. at all. They don't have a chance to build any wealth. 
they can't pass it on to their heirs because they mm-hmm. don't own anything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the difference. And, you know, the land trust model, they can pass it on to their heirs if they die. Right. You know? Um, so, yeah, no, it's again, I, I think part of part of why uh, I wanted to have this conversation and then future conversations with other folks is, again, exposing people to this idea and as a concept that, again, up, up until not that long ago, I was unfamiliar with. And right. you could say, OK, well, here are the challenges. But again, you look at the opportunity to something like this that is, is bringing what you've said, you know, bringing more seats to the table for development, which is something that I care immensely about, right? It's, it's yeah. how do you get more people involved in these decisions? So it's not just one small group of people that are making these, these choices and decisions for us as a community. How do you bring more people into the fold, but then also the model itself, how do you get more people into home ownership? So they're building equity, so they're building wealth so that they can then, you know, have some stability. I mean, there, there's all, right. all sorts of positive outcomes to this, which I, again, I find extremely exciting what what do you think you know what, what's kind of the vision for i don't know call it a five-year 10-year plan but yeah. what what does you know success look like to you so 30 years from now right we're, we're through a full mortgage cycle you're looking back and saying okay you know again you've had that immediate or maybe it's a full mortgage cycle or, or two transportation engineer cycles <laughs> you know what what do you look back and what, what's the goal or what does success look like to you do you think i i think success you know, there's sort of short-term success and long-term success. And our, our short-term success for, for Ralt is let's get 50 homes in the land trust in five the next zero. five years. Yeah. yeah. So 50 homes in five years. And, and that sort of starts this year, right? So that's a short-term goal. And, and it might not seem like a big number, but, it, you know, think about it as ground up. We're f- from the ground up and you got to raise subsidy. You got to get these homes you got to go through the process so 50 homes in five years is our goal Mm -hmm. i think we can achieve it but that's just a number right that's just a measure you know that we can sort of see but but i think success to me well success to raw not to me and i'll talk about success to me Mm -hmm. as an individual but success to raw is bringing in the community to to make more good in the community right so and that may seem or sound weird but again we want to be there to build relationships that can then promote the community members that are in the homes that are a part of the community you know the roofers the plumbers the electrical contractors Mm -hmm. that are underestimated Mm -hmm. right or don't always get the front and center that they deserve and so for me in Ralt, that is one thing that we think is success mm-hmm. is that we've been able to form a community that cares and is doing the right thing for the greater good. I also think success is when Ralt is in the conversation for any affordable housing project. So there's a piece of land that comes up, someone says, we need to get raw on board for this. Yeah. Whether we're the developer or not, doesn't matter. But there's combinations of we can partner with other nonprofits, you know, to maintain the affordability of the land. The city and county are recognizing us as a sort of staple in the community, you yeah. know, like the DHICs of the world, right? The habitats of the world. Success to us is that. It's that we're a part of the community and that we are one of the first ones that get thought of in the process of housing. So I think that's, that's kind of the success story long-term. Yeah. Um, and obviously to know that we have impacted 
X number of people or families throughout that sort of 30 year span, mm -hmm. right? To say, hey, look, we've been able to do this, mm -hmm. whatever this is, right? You know, um, stabilize community, uh, help build generational wealth, and, and we'll be able to track it and show it, right? I mm -hmm. mean, um, so that we can say, look, this is the impact it's had. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that the cool piece is, you know, yes, you can measure the the impact on families and individuals from the home ownership front, but the, the model also really facilitates the community aspect on the front end of getting other organizations and people and groups and individuals. And that's one of the things, I mean, I, I think that the next question is really what, what can folks, you know, who are listening do to get involved? But my guess is one thing is, you know, as, as you're part of the housing conversation at a city and county level, my sense of this is there's also ways, material ways for individuals to participate in this, be it, you know, through, through, maybe gifting or, right. you know, getting their homes to say, okay, well, I have a home that, you know, or my, my parents had a house and they don't need it or they've passed away and I live in California and I don't want right. it or need it. You know, so what are ways that, that you would recommend for folks who are, who are in Raleigh or, or outside of Raleigh, but who, how can folks get involved? Yeah. So that's a great question. I mean, obviously, you know, financial stability is, for any nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, money is the name of the game. So there are obviously different ways. Donations are obviously, uh, a vital part of that. And, you know, we're looking at having to raise, you know, a million dollars for just Idlewild, mm -hmm. right. Um, to, to make that project happen. But we feel like that can be done through various things. I mean, people, they're obviously philanthropic individuals that can be a part of this. Um, we actually have set up, um, a housing um, fund in which we basically have an acquisition fund, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're going to use that fund people can put into the fund and we'll use that as a revolving fund to acquire properties, rehab, do whatever and sell them. And it goes back into the acquisition fund. So it's kind of awesome. like a revolving fund. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the biggest things for us is individuals that want to be a part of that. So that's one thing I think obviously financial, you know, people can give their own uh, giving. Mm -hmm. uh, they could, donate houses or land. Mm -hmm. So for us, that's one of the things that we feel like the community can do most is leverage the assets that they have. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that they have to give $50,000, but what they could do is say, Hey, we know of neighbor X that, you know, passed away or wants to sell their home. We'd want to keep it in the community so that we can, uh, you know, not see it be a mega mansion. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they can come to us and we'll work with them on how that, that process would work. It's not like we're not going to give, you know, um, something fair and mm -hmm. reasonable to them. We're not asking for it for free. Mm -hmm. If they want to donate it for free as a part of their will, that's fantastic. Right. I mean, that's a le lasting legacy on their community. Absolutely. But you know, we'll work with individuals to say, all right, we'll purchase the home for this and you know, um, it'll sort of be in the land trust model. Actually, that's one of the things that we have individuals right now that are coming to us and saying, okay, as a part of my effort to give back to my community, yeah. I want to go ahead and put my house in the land trust. I still own it. I still live mm -hmm. in it. Um, and so we're working with those individuals to do that where they get a upfront, you know, uh, payment, mm -hmm. um, to themselves and then they come in and share the equity on the back end, just like everyone else would Interesting. do. So, um, that allows us to get, you know, some ownership of it now, but they are giving back. It also 
for these individuals. So, you know, we have some older folks that say taxes are killing me, right? right. I mean, they're paying, you know, three, $4,000 a year in taxes, which is more than their mortgage, or if they even have a mortgage at all. At all but... Well, so think about it when it comes into the land trust, back to the tax thing, they save on, on the land piece. And, you know, so it, it's a win-win. And so I think things like the religious and faith-based organizations, that's another one where they own properties, their churches and their, their entities own properties that they could donate to the land trust or sell to the land trust. Right. And so there's all, all kinds of things like that and, and getting their companies that they're a part of to be a part of the land trust and helping investing in something that's a long-term steward. So they can reach out to us at ralt.org, R-A-L-T.org. Perfect. Um, and that's the great place to start. So yeah. what about, can I kind of high level again, um, is there anything else that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you would like to discuss? Before we wrap up? No, I think just to reiterate that there's there's a lot of options that should and could be available to people. And other cities have options. This brings a new option mm -hmm. to Wake County um, and to Raleigh. And so to understand and learn more about it is probably the best thing that community members can do is just to sort of comprehend it and understand it. And to think through about what it means for individuals that they know and love and care right. about. Right. And it may not be the right thing for you personally, but it could help somebody, you know, right. and so informing them that there are options out there, I think is one of the things that we need to sort of stay in front of. I mean, I'd venture to say that, you know, if you're a renter right now, there's no other way you're going to make 50,000 in equity. Right. Right. In a short term, in a short term, without home ownership. Mm -hmm. So I think those are the, the two big things. And I will say it, it hasn't been unnoticed. The city and the county have been great and supportive um, and, and helping us try to launch this, obviously with the award with Idlewild, it's a big step. And so I, I, you know, I just wanted to thank those individuals and then our board, and I'll give a shout out to uh, Alexis who, um, who is a part of helping me with the land trust, Alexis, uh, Truce has been ava uh, amazing. And so I w it definitely would not have happened without her. So I wanted to at least provide that in there as a secondary piece. That's awesome. So, so walking away from here as folks listen to this, you know, again, I think you're, you're bringing a fabulous um, solution to part of the problem, bringing a new opportunity, something that we, that again, has been done in other markets, but is new to Raleigh is new to Wake County. I would like to think there are a bunch of people that are, that are very intrigued what is kind of one thing that you would suggest, you know, one good next step for folks to go out and do? Well, besides going and, you know, onto the website and looking at the model and sort of understanding more about it, we're actually going to have a, a new video coming probably sometime this later this month to explain the concept to, you know, that's RALT.org. That's correct. Yeah. But, but I think the one thing that they could do is reflect on themselves and look at the word community and mm -hmm. how they can be a part of their community. And this is one way um, there's many others. And so I would, I would challenge all of us to think about things differently, right? And think about how are we all going to advance our community and do our part, you know, to make it successful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Raleigh's Raleigh's got a long road ahead of it and a lot of development as we, you know, um, is happening. And so be a part of it, you know, 
don't be a Facebook warrior. Come out, be a part of it, right? Like get involved, participate, yeah. right? Um, yeah. That's cool. Well, this is, again, I mean, this, this is something that caught my eye immediately. This is, I, I think you guys are doing fantastic work. I'm excited to see, you know, the, the model roll out with the two existing properties with um, Lane Idlewild and the, the 17, 17 units yeah. that are going to be added again into the pool and into the community and are bringing folks from the community on board to participate both as homeowners and, and partners in the development. Um, again, this is all very exciting stuff. I would recommend that everybody go to ralt.org, R-A-L-T dot O-R-G, and look more into this. And again, like you said, get involved in something. Maybe it's this, maybe it's something else. But I think, you know, I, I always like to say none of us is as smart as all of us, but I don't think we as a community are going to be as strong as we can be unless everybody gets involved. And, and this is a very uh, pressing issue. And again, an issue that faces all of us or I would say almost all of us, if not all of us, directly or one degree of separation, right? Yeah. Because maybe not all of us, especially if you're listening to this podcast, fall into the, you know, 10, 20, 30% AMI. You know, maybe the people that you know don't fall into that mm-hmm. category, but absolutely we know someone who are, who are greatly affected that are in the 50 to 80 uh, or maybe we, we maybe we know people we don't know, but this is a pressing issue. Right. And, and so, again, look inside yourself. I, and I'm, I'm taking that to heart as well to think about this. This is a challenge that is facing all of us and will directly and indirectly impact all of us. So, Rhett, I uh, greatly appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this. And yeah, it's looking been awesome. forward to seeing uh, what happens in the future. Yeah, thanks, Jed. I appreciate it. It's been, been fantastic. And uh, let me know if I can help any other way. Absolutely. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Rhett Fussell as much as I did. Uh, it was fantastic to learn more about Raleigh Area Land Trust and the work that they're doing to really kind of engage community. So on the front end with their development program and projects and, and really uh, engaging with these underestimated folks in the community. I think that's fantastic. Then, of course, providing a very valuable resource to folks within the community to be a stepping stone, as he said, into home ownership uh, for the long term. So if you have any questions or comments for me, feel free to reach out at Oak City CRE on Twitter, or you can reach directly out to Rhett at Rhett Set Go, that's R-H-E-T-T-S-E-T-G-O on Twitter, or Raleigh Area Land Trust at Rall Land Trust uh, on Twitter, which is R-A-L-L-A-N-D-T-R-U-S-T. And then again, I'm, I'm so grateful for Rhett and his time to come and talk with me, and I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing them uh, achieve their goals of 50 homes in five years and all the great, uh, wonderful impact that Rhett and his team at Ralt are going to have. As always, I'm so grateful that you have chosen to share this time with me. If you ever have any questions about Dirt NC or any land use related issues, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Oak City CRE. Also, if you're looking for a simple and straight to the point weekly update on commercial development in Raleigh, you can subscribe to my newsletter at www.oakcitycre.com. Until next time, thank you.